Well, welcome back, Masterpiece Women. This is Tina Raines, and I'm the founder of Masterpiece Women. And today, I am beyond excited to have Denise Smith with us today. Denise, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. Thank you for inviting me into this incredible journey with you. Well, girl, I love you. So ladies, I'm just going to tell you, I met Denise when I was leading the movement against human trafficking. And I actually went to a conference. And one of the things that the big organizations did was they exposed you to what it would be like if you were a refugee. So literally, we had to go to a class to learn English. We went to a class to learn um, the steps to do all the different processes that you had to do as a um, refugee. And none of it was in English. We are all lost. And it gave me just a totally different experience and and an appreciation for what they walked through. And so when I met Denise, who runs Piece of Thread, who serves these refugees, and when she's going to share a little bit about that, it gave me a just a heart for these women that we could help them build business, that we could help them gain access to knowledge to have a career to be able to provide for themselves coming to the U.S. because what they experience is so difficult and Mm -hmm. even you know I think I shared with you Denise I went and served the refugees in Greece at one point and it was heartbreaking what they walked through and it Mm -hmm. those pictures of the tents with they're real like that is their life so thank you for what you do number one um but I also want them to know a little bit about who you are as a woman as an entrepreneur even though it's a leading a ministry it's a very entrepreneurial ministry so tell us a little bit about Denise Smith okay well I grew up in a little tiny small town and outside of Columbus Ohio so go Buckeyes um, but I, I really had no idea. Four H girl, you know, ten acre, five acres, you know, just dug the um, the holes for the fence post kind of girl. Uh, we slept in a trailer where our house was being built um, when we left Columbus and moved to the country. So I became a country girl when I was about six. We moved to the country. And that was really like kind of the baseline for my life growing up as a child, uh, learning how to do hard work and do work that you didn't really appreciate or love or want to do. But, um, you know, just a good old Midwestern girl didn't really have any kind of plans until I was about 11 years old. And I read a newspaper article back then how we got all of our information. And I read a newspaper article on um, a lady that is still one of my favorites. Her name is Mother Teresa. And she was um, headed to India and she was actually working uh, in an orphanage. And this article was about how she was changing the world and working in the marginalized, very, very hard slum areas. And sometimes she'd just pray for a piece of bread to eat for a day. And I thought, wow, that is a woman that is following God. Absolutely. When I was 11 years old, God let me see that. And um, yeah, so then my parents, uh, I'm the youngest of three. And um, my brother went off to the Coast Guard. My sister went off to college in Miami uh, to study Bible and nursing. And I was left in this little tiny town. My dad became an alcoholic. 
left my mom. It was a very hard divorce. And so I graduated early from high school. First time ever that that had ever happened at my school. And so I had one trusted teacher friend that I went to. And that trusted teacher friend was everything because I, nobody knew what was going on in my home. And I didn't want to tell anybody because back then we had shame and honor and I didn't want to bring shame and I didn't want to take honor from my family. And so um, we just didn't talk about it. I just wanted to go do something. And so I left, I graduated early from high school and went to Miami, Florida, followed my sister and uh, entered Bible college. And I really didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of mad at God underneath of everything. So I learned how to put on a great facade of going to church, going, doing the Bible, Bible college, and really trying to find out who I was. And I have to understand I was 16 living on my own, paying for everything, including college. And so that really began to develop more of Denise of who God was placing for me to do better things for him. Um, I had to dig deep and I had to learn and I had to push and I had to figure out if I was really going to believe this. So it came to a, a, a great Bible teacher uh, that I was exposed to. His name was uh, Dr. Steve Brown uh, and keep a skein. And um, it was just a, a, he really walked me through some pretty tough questions and got me thinking, well, then I met my husband who was actually just a friend of mine. And he took me out on a first date and he asked me to marry him on our first date. And that is going to be 46 years this coming January. I love that. I didn't know that about you. That's awesome. So yeah, we married. Um, my parents were going through a hard divorce and we went through some big counseling, some great professors that love the Lord. And we just really wanted God to be glorified. So we went to the Justice of the Peace in Miami-Dade County and got married. And um, and so, yeah, it was a pretty rough start. Didn't like my husband much the first year. Thought I'd made my the biggest mistake ever. But we really were just kids. I was 19 um, and we were just trying to grow up together. And uh, we went back to Wheaton. My husband's from Wheaton Bible, uh, Wheaton um Illinois. And we had our three children and he went to engineering school and um, we moved to Denver when my youngest was two weeks old. And um, my daughter was 19 months and my oldest was three. And I didn't know anybody in Denver, zero people. And it really started teaching me something about who I was. You know, here I was with three kids going to a brand new city. I didn't know anybody. We didn't have any phones. There was no internet. You know, you met your neighbor. If you were lucky, you would pray for somebody that was, that was, that was kind of like you, that you could meet on a sidewalk walking, you know, it was a divine intervention prayers. And so that again, began to dig deep. Who was I? And did I love being a mother? So then fast forward, we went, we moved a lot um, because of my husband's job. And we came back uh, to a place in Orlando and we were really kind of like lost. We, he was climbing the corporate ladder and I was being a mom and, you know, homeschooling, teaching. I was working three jobs. Um, it was a lot. And um, my kids were playing baseball and we were just living the, you know, the good old middle-class 
you know, uh, want your kids to be a part of, you know, everything that they want to be a part of. My daughter started royal skating. She became a gold medalist. I started sewing again. And so the sewing that I learned in high school in home ec became different to sewing costumes for skaters, whole different ball game and with beadwork and the whole nine yards. Again, another layer. So here we are, we moved to Orlando or we moved from Orlando to Atlanta in 1993. And uh, six months after we had moved here, my youngest son was diagnosed with cancer. So a huge ball and crane just literally came crashing into my world. And I, again, you know, really didn't have any friends here. We just kind of started going to different churches and trying to find people. Probably I knew more people at the touchdown club than I knew anybody, you know, at the football touch at the high school football. I didn't really know people. I just knew them like, hi, my name is, you know, that's it. And, um, and then we were taken to Emory to Eggleston and I, I was put in a situation where, um, that word cancer for your baby uh, became real, really hard. Mm-hmm. And I had to become vulnerable really quick. Uh, and I was lost and scared as I've ever been. Uh, I was 36 years old and uh, it was a tough season. Um, and for four years, he fought valiantly. The first year we were in the hospital, 268 days out of 365. So that became my world was around dying children. And with mom and dads, dads walking out on moms and moms walking out on dads, they couldn't handle the intense hardship. I don't even have a word. It's just, I can't imagine that even describes it. It, it, it is just so difficult and you're up all night. Your kid is fighting for his life. They're telling you things that you don't understand. They're speaking in voices and they're like, you know, just, you can't even hear it. And I, again, the Lord was preparing me for where I am today. Did I know? No. Did I have a clue? Did I like it? No. Um, but in the end, he won his battle and it was for heaven. It wasn't here on earth. And he was, he was assigned his new address, which is H-E-A-V-E-N. That's his new address. I'll see him again, but it was everything in my life at that moment, October 5th, 1997 became a defining line. I say B-C-A-C before cancer, after cancer. There is a defining line in my life. Everything is relative to that moment of standing at that grave and putting him under that ground. Everything. There is and has not been a hard uh, like it or comes close to it, to me, for me, for my journey. But it taught me so much about a woman that is silenced in a place that she has no voice or understanding And I didn't know. Well, then let's fast forward seven more years later. God takes us to another journey that is even different, a different hard. And we end up in Lebanon, Beirut, Lebanon, between Beirut and Damascus. And I didn't know any language. I didn't know how to communicate. I couldn't find my way. 
we were Americans. And so we were foreigners and that meant your money um, value, not as a person, but all they saw was dollar signs on us. And that was just so hard. Um, I had never had that experience before. And so here we are, I learned a lot about the person that was called a woman named Denise, made in America, um, learned about America, um, learned and carried many Bibles of different versions in America, but I didn't know the Denise that showed up in Beirut, Lebanon, and now was traveling all over Syria, Jordan, Iraq, into hard, hard places. Yeah, was the hospital hard places? Oh, yeah. I have a whole book on that one, but it was a whole different hard. But the hard that I learned overseas was the American Denise that didn't really understand the worldview of who God was and how he was going to use me in his worldview instead of an American view. That makes sense. Wow. Yeah, that's actually really, that's really profound when you think about it and the difference and going through such difficulty both seasons but yet so very different so different and mm-hmm. yet god in the midst of that teaching you building you changing you refining you and even you know loving you and comforting mm-hmm. you in those difficult mm-hmm. times so much uh and you know you don't know when you need that comfort you don't know when you need that discipline or push Um, but he's always there and he's always with us. He never like took his self away from me. He was always with me. And, um, and I think that, that, that is what encouraged me to push forward, knowing that he was with me, even though I didn't know what was next. When you don't have language, you can't communicate much what's inside. All you can really do is use your eyes and your smile, your touch. So the five senses without a word. And uh, it, again, taught me a lot about the person of a called a woman, that who I was and who I wasn't. And I needed to figure that out so that I could show God's glory, not as an American, not as a woman wrapped in Americanisms, but as a woman that was wrapped around with Jesus. And I think it was completely different than my view was normal. So um, that's where I learned the silenced woman that was hidden in the villages. People that were Hezbollah, they were born Hezbollah. Did they want to be Hezbollah? No. Did they want to be called as a terrorist group? or known as people that were called terrorists, they didn't have a choice. It wasn't what they wanted. They weren't allowed to have a choice. And I wasn't okay with that because we all have choices here. We can, we can come up with all kinds of choices. I mean, women are like, we're, we're so good at this. And I was pretty, I was pretty good at it. And, but I was stripped again. And so here we are. I've now buried my son. My two kids, older ones uh, were floundering because they were a freshman and sophomore in college. 
very tough time of life to figure out who God is in your own life and without a problem of hardship. And our family was just a mess, but yet we were solid in our foundation. If that makes sense, can you be a mess and be solid? Yes, because the anchor doesn't move. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank goodness the anchor doesn't move. So here we are today. I uh, We spent about almost seven years in the Near East and we came home for uh, to get to serve my aging parents. And um, that was a journey. I was invited down to Clarkston area, which is a village square mile in outside of Atlanta, about 20 minutes north of the airport. And it's where they relocate um, uh, all the relocating agencies where all of the the uh, refugees that come in, they actually settle them in this area. And um, some friends of ours were at our church were doing a mock American classroom as a project um, for to go overseas as a team. And they were figuring out their weaknesses and strengths and all that as a team. And they said, Denise, we have these like nine women down here um, that don't know what's going on. And they're just kind of standing here looking at us. Could you come down and do something with them? And I'm like, do something in America. I have no idea how to do this in America. And, um, and I, I remember just speaking that over myself, like I didn't have anything to give after all that I had traveled through. And here I was looking at myself in the mirror and somebody's asking something of me and I'm saying, I don't have anything. So I, I don't know what to do here in America. I, like everybody has everything here. So why, what do you need me for? You know? And I remember going to my phone. It was when the phone was still on the wall. And I said, <laughs> okay, I could maybe take some cookies and some tea and a blanket and I could welcome them to my country. That was like, you know, okay, I can do that. And so here comes this, you know, blonde headed old woman speaking some Arabic and bringing a big blanket down and some tea, hot tea. They only drink sweet, hot tea and uh, some cookies and welcoming them to our country. And they were so happy. They were just like a little bit of afraid of me. I would understand why. Um, And yet they were so eager to have a friend. And I remember crying all the way home. It was 45 minutes to my house. And I'm thinking, God, why would you put me out in the suburbs away from these people when you know I love culture now? It's on me. It's in me. It's in my DNA since I was 11. Remember, he put that on me. And I had forgotten that moment. And um, boy, it awakened my soul again. So I, a couple of days later, I thought, well, maybe they'd want to sew, you know, I've had, I've sewed my whole life, you know, we could make a pillow or something, you know, like it could be something fun to do for a couple of weeks. And boy, and have you gone from there <laughs> and have we ever, did I ever think by saying yes to making some cookies, taking an old blanket and not a perfect one but an old one. Cause I didn't have anything. My, I, my house was here, but I didn't have like, you know, the furniture was here. There was no, nothing in the drawers. I didn't have any fabric. 
I had my sewing machine, my scissors and my seam ripper, which is, which is my best friend. And like, that was it. Like I didn't have a project coordinator. I had no money in the bank. I didn't have a business plan. I showed up and wanted to become their friend. And the, but the most important thing is that I didn't think I could do it. Mm. I didn't know how, and I didn't, but he did. That's what I was just thinking, like, yeah, isn't that so like the Lord though, right? You know, we think about personal growth. We think about all these things that we do to grow. And sometimes we're just like, I, I don't know how to do this. Like, Lord, no. in yeah. my strength. And I, it, I do that all the time. I said just this last couple of weekends ago when we had that retreat, I'm like, Lord, I kept bouncing between even the subjects going, Lord, what do you want us to do? Yeah. And I was having that same sense of like, I don't know what to do, Lord. And I think sometimes, ladies, that's where he wants us. Or all the time. Uh, All the time. All the time, actually. Walk by faith and not by sight. We don't have to have all the answers because he does. And when we're really abiding, when we're really hearing, yes, he can use all of these tools that he's allowed us to use to help change our mindsets, to help, you know, grow professionally, get the tools to learn how to do business, to do ministry. But at the end of the day, if we just surrender to him, yeah, he provides it all. He and does I think it. About what you're doing now, it's so incredible. Cause I don't know that I'd ever really heard your whole story and mm-hmm. how God, you know, in, you know, navigates you through all those different seasons to be in yeah. that place in that moment to go take hot tea and now I'll let you finish the rest of the story versus sharing the rest of the story. Cause yeah. it's so incredible how God uses you in the transformation that these women are having. It's, you know, sometimes you want another language to be able to explain because you, do you feel like you say the same words sometimes yeah. it, without the same meeting because it's a different, it puts a different layer on it, but it's truly uh, it, way more outside of myself that it's only God. You can't look at anything else. When I say this piece of thread belongs to God, it doesn't belong to me. I just show up and I get to invite other women in to come and and meet my friends that are so lonely. And so many of us are, we can just put on a different face a different color of eyeshadow, a different color of hair, a different clothing to show up for another woman. And these women don't have anything, zero to show up with, but just themselves. And then they trust me and they trust in the process of, I think the word hope, Mm -hmm. that there's something that they're hoping for, but they don't know what it is. They want something and they're looking And they're looking, they don't know where to go, what to do, like I did. I mean, the first time I I arrived in the airport in Beirut, I went into the men's bathroom and I went to the bathroom and I came out and there was like five men in front of me. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, I went to the wrong bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, how many times have you showed up someplace, not had the right thing on? ran into somebody that you didn't want to run into. And yet God 
had a different plan. And so I just think, you know, I want to be more ready to give an answer from my faith than to have it all together. Amen. Amen. So I, I am so excited about being a part of here we are. And Tina, you were a part of this. I just told your story, a part of the story to some women for the first time went to Clarkston that I got to share with them on Saturday. And we stood on that sidewalk and I said, I believed in something that I didn't know about, but I had a dream. I know that, you know, Martin Luther King said that, but I copied it. (laughs) I have a dream. There are thousands of women in this square mile village from 60 nations that have come to Atlanta and they're living amongst us. All I have to do is drive my car 45 minutes. That's all I have to do. I don't need it. I don't need a passport. I need gas in my car. And believe me, when I first started, I, and I had just come back from living here, I didn't have a job. I had no money. I would call some of my friends. I'm like, could you put like $10 gas in my car? I got, I want to go to Clarkston. They're like, what? You don't have gas in your car? And I'm like, Mm-mm. I really, I hate to say it, but if God is making me do this or not inviting me into this, like if he's making something out of this old woman again to go do something, this is a need. Like I don't have it. And they're like, okay, well, we want to be a part. It wasn't $10 they would give me. They would give me $100. And I'm like, wow, that was like not expected. And that's how the whole journey of Piece of Thread has started. It was God's story on my life, me being humble enough <laughs> to take my American stuff off and not be full of pride and just say, I don't have that. Can you come sit at my table? And you can you, these are the things I kind of need if I'm going to keep going. And every week, I would sit with two friends and I would say, okay, well, this has happened and this has happened. Do I keep going? Do I keep doing this? I don't know if I should do this. God, are you doing something or is it me? I don't want it to be me. I want it to be you. So you have to write this story, not me. I'm just going to be a part of it. Okay. You're the author. You're going to finish it. I'm just going to show up. I don't know what I'm doing. And so we started out with these, like, remember it was a pillowcase in my head, just a square, like for people out there that sew, it's just a square. Like, but the first time I, I stopped, I had, remember I had one pair of scissors. I stopped at Big Lots. Do you know, if you know what Big Lots is, I don't know, but it's like a little small Walmart. And I got two pair packages of scissors and they were like $3 for two pair of scissors. And I thought we had like hit the lottery. Oh yeah, <laughs> we have five scissors. And it was like so much fun. So we got there and I laid out, oh, so today we're going to learn how to cut. And we put the fabric out. We're going to learn how to cut a pattern. The ladies had never held a pair of scissors before. You think about the transition that these women had. And, you know, when we talk about going back to personal growth, right? Yeah. Where they come from, that's not even something, the idea of them creating something and then selling it and becoming basically their own little entrepreneur self. They didn't have a drawer for it. There was no drawer, nothing. Nothing. They don't have a night. No, 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 no. I didn't know anything. 
So we were like, um, I went and spoke at a church and I told a story and this is where it gets really fun to be a part of what God's doing. So, you know, you tell a story and what do women do? We retell stories if it's a good mm-hmm. one, right? And we, sometimes we'll embellish it, probably get, <laughs> The know? fish is this big. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, but when you're doing personal growth stuff, you usually like um, reflect into something bad before something good comes. And um, I told them about a really hard place of a, a village that was, that accepted us into their tribe. They'd never seen a white folk before and how different it was. Well, anyway, that woman, one of the women that was in the group of women that I spoke to was a hairdresser and hairdresser went back to her client and retold my story. And that person was connected to a place called ADAC, which is the most expensive fabrics in the world. So remember, I didn't know what we were doing. We are just going to do these little pillows, remember? So then I get a phone call and says, I have fabric. I have a place that there's got, have you ever heard of ADAC? I'm like, no, I know what Joanne's is. Like, don't know for ADAC. So it's Atlanta Decorative Arts Center. It serves the whole Southern eight states. It's the most expensive fabrics in the world. All designers, you can only get in if you have a license for designing. Well, I'm like, I don't have a license for designing. I just am a part of God's design that he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And so she said, no, well, let me see if I can get you a ticket. That was 11 years ago, this past July. And uh, we still only get our fabric from ADAC. It serves the whole Southern eight states. It's the mall of fabrics. It's like when God wants to do something to change something the way it wasn't supposed to be. He gives you the best of the best. He just starts rolling out royalties to you. And uh, I never felt like I was on that royal rug. I was always like on the rug behind or the side, but never on the royal rug. And I just remember standing in this um, parking lot with these women looking at my car. It wasn't my car, by the way. I didn't even have, I had this little tiny car. And so I couldn't even put the fabric in my car. I had to call another woman to actually meet me down there with her big suburban SUV. I remember seeing your all the fabric in that little bitty place yeah. that you had. Oh, it, it was, was amazing fabric. I was blown away. I was like, we, it was where we were. And so here we were, this car was filled to the brim. And then where are we going to go? So for three and a half years, I stayed in my car, like just carrying everything in my car every machine, machine parts, everything that you can imagine. And then step-by-step, Tina became a friend of mine. And um, thank you for saying yes to being my friend. I love being your friend. It's just like uh, the barn. Do you remember the barn? They gave us a barn and we turned it into our design area. I said, husband, like fill every crack with that foam stuff. And like, we're going to get the, and then God sent me like this guy that cleans the runway at the airport that gets all of the diesel fuel out. And I'm like, I got to get this horse pee out, you know, of this barn. (laughs) And it's with the metaphor of that in my life. Oh, I love that. I'm getting yeah. the horse pee out. 
getting the horse pee out. Think so about it. I mean, how many of us have horse pee in our lives? Yeah, it's a weird way to think of it. Think about it. we all do. Mm-hmm. We have to clean out our barn. We have to clean out that stuff. Smell that stuff. The stuff that yes. doesn't belong there anymore because God's doing something new. Yes. And oftentimes that's what holds us back is keeping that horse pee in the barn. Yes. 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 And we, that's going to be there. my new analogy. Every time that I teach, I tell yes. you what, that is so yes. good. It is. It's just like the worst smell and you can't get it out of any concrete pour unless you have this certain person that has the, the actual chemical. Well, who's our person? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And like, but for that moment, I needed a certain person to get this horse pee. I didn't, they were not at my table. Trust me. I didn't know any. And here I was at church walking up. It's like, Oh, I want Denise. I want you to meet this person. I'm like, Oh, nice to meet you. What do you do? You know, like kind of casual thing, you know, men always ask what you do. Women don't. So I over, I'm like, Oh, I clean off the diesel stuff from at the airport. I'm like, wait, what did you say? And, um, then in the next day he came with every chemical to get every smell out so that I could bring the most beautiful fabrics into a place for design so that these women who had no hope could begin having a job of hope, a voice, um, dignity, changing their home, um, and buying a pair of shoes for the kids. I mean, like something that they've never opening a bank account with their name on it, an ATM card with their name on it, teaching them how to use the ATM just with their pen. What's a pen number? What does that mean? How do you say that? I mean, just so many layers of empowering that I could like, I, if I talk about too much, like tears just roll because when we become empowered, this Holy spirit changes us. Right. Yeah. And when we can give a breath of fresh air through first a job, her first voice, I can't tell her my story I until she can tell me her story. That's our rule. And if we could do this as women, like we, you know, we want to talk about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We want to tell people what God's doing, but so many times God's doing something great in the person in front of us that we don't listen enough and so it the empowerment became so like addicting um I I hate that word I but yet I love it to the women they were they when hope is infused it's inoculated into the soul Mm. when you get an inoculation of something it changes you forever it changes how you think how you see how you breathe, how you get up, how you go to sleep, everything. And that's what we get to do with these women. For the first time, when they first enter America, we want to be that inoculation. We want to be that love. We want to give the best shot possible. Not the one that hurts, but one that gives life and breath Mm. and um, hope and joy and peace and patience and kindness all of those of which we have to forbear with one another. 
Wow. Well, I love it, Denise. I love what you're doing. And ladies, just so you understand what they're doing now. Well, why don't you just share what you're doing right now versus me okay. sharing it? Because it is very profound. You've shared what where you came from. You've shared the beginning of Piece of Thread, but share where you're at currently and what okay. you've created. Okay, so now we have like, we uh, there are two houses in a place called Grace Village. It's uh, still in the same area, this exact sidewalk that we prayed over that we believe for this house and it is now our empowering center it's where we have a full medical clinic that's free of charge we have esl there's a counselor that's there for just women she speaks three languages um we have a full uh like a little house that was built by the refugee men that is just for women uh, only and our boutique slash tea room it is a place where they triage the women and they can kind of hide and we can kind of begin to hear their stories to heal them physically. So it's an emotional, physical, and spiritual place where we provide a safe journey. We have a 12 foot high fence, a playground. We have a, uh, an herb garden now, and it is life-giving of hope. We have trained hundreds of women. We, um, are in two different locations in Atlanta. Now we are training. I just came back from learning. I think they're on their 27th pattern, five Ukrainian women. And we, it was not in my business plan for 2022 to train Ukrainian women. I had never met a Ukrainian woman, but God sent a Ukrainian woman to us through a friend who speaks fluent Russian. And she's been our translator. Amazing. Only God. Oh my goodness. Like I've never, do you know, a Ukrainian, have you ever met a Ukrainian? Like, no, I have. Well, I have met a Ukrainian, but you know, I went to Moldova yes. um, to go visit our projects. And I shared in one of the articles I wrote recently, because I'll never forget when um, the team was sharing all their huge vision, all that they wanted to do. And um, fast forward, all this happens with Ukraine and Russia and their headquarters in Moldova and I can picture it now it's a little has like 80 refugees in there and I actually thought about you at the same time it's like wow you never know how God is going to equip you and prepare you for the journey and now when this war broke out and these Ukrainian people need us need you know people to serve them to help them navigate through this season here you are giving hope and giving a future obviously it's the Lord through you, but it's beautiful to watch how those plans we make. Sometimes we don't know why we're making them. He just tells us do this and make these plans and move towards this. No idea how he's going to end up using it. And that's what I see from what you've done and the opportunity now with the Ukrainians. It's Ukrainians. So we have the Afghan fall, right? like a year ago, August, and then fast forward five months, Ukrainian war started. Um, we've almost forgotten about what happened at, in Afghanistan, but it's, it was awful. And then, so we had 27 million, I think, that were known or documented refugees before the Afghan fell a year ago, August. And then and then five months later, the Ukraine horrible war started. And um, 
So I think we're up to about 22 million on top of the 27 million refugees. It's the biggest number ever documented in the world since they've been documenting refugees. So if you just take that number and you put 1.2% of that big number are the ones that actually get to go to a first world, right? To actually have a new start out of, wow. out of a third world country. So they run to a third world from a third world generally, but these Ukrainians are a whole different bucket. They're actually first world people like you and I, they're educated. They had everything at their fingertips. It, it would be like coming to your town and saying, okay, like it's, you know, like West yeah. Palm beach is now gone. Yeah. There's nothing left. You've now lost everything except for the clothes on your back. You better run for your life to another country because they're coming after the next town nearest you. So um, they were from Kharkiv, which I'm sure you've heard of that on the news in Maripol. If you know anything about the Ukraine, there's a little tiny church here in the Atlanta area and they're Russian, Moldovans and Ukraines. And they decided to take their building fund of six years. Um, they were meeting in an office suite and there were about 60 of them, 55, 60 of them with children and all the money that they've been saving for six years and bring over 60 of them to America. And they began their journey the first day of the that the war broke out. And they went from, you know, Ukraine is kind of an oval. They went from Kharkiv, drove all the way across and went into um, Romania, Poland, Austria, Germany, Germany, they sold everything that they had and got on an airplane and this little church paid for all of them. Do you know how much money that cost to move all those people? And they had to be, they had to be processed in every single country, every single country. Um, The women and men had to separate because they weren't letting the men come over. So the women had to literally like swim in 40 degree water for more than 45 minutes to get across to the other side and so that they could get through. And one of the ladies was pregnant. She thought for sure her baby had died. Well, honey, he's, he's living, he's two months old now. Oh, he's cute as ever, and she is training with us and it's been her dream to learn to sew one day. And she had wow. no idea she was going to get to come to America. And isn't it how mom. the Lord, you know, so like him to take what is meant for evil and destruction. And now he's using it for good. Now she gets to learn to sew, although she's been through horrific, horrific experience. It's allowing her a gift, you know, the just, Something I love how God it. works things out. Right. And mm-hmm. I love how he uses his people to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I want you to share a little bit about the actual business side of things because we're almost out of time and I want them to understand you're bringing hope to all these women, you're giving them tools, but what exactly does that mean to the women and to Piece of Thread? Because Piece of Thread is an incredible organization and business technically. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a huge business, way bigger than myself. So yeah, I have great peeps uh, that know things way more than I do at my table now. So, you know, it's like a CPA, all that kind of stuff, the nonprofit world. We are a local nonprofit and we empower, employ, and advocate for them. 
They make 50% of every product. Each bag, they make beautiful purses. I probably didn't say that, did I? No. So the little, that little pillow. <laughs> I wanted them to understand that like yeah, you have so like, <laughs> I actually thought I should have brought my purse to show on the podcast. <gasps> yeah. Oh, how silly. Okay. So they make some beautiful purses, one of a kind. I can't keep them online because people just buy them up, which is so great. The ladies and with Masterpiece, I'm just saying they are coming down for our Christmas extravaganza and we're going to have all their beautiful purses and um also christmas stockings things like that that you can Mm -hmm. purchase so make sure you're there and just remember they're all one of a kind just like you and i I he created us one of each in his likeness and we uh, have incredible designers that make these bags as beautiful inside as they are out is that not true? It's so and we, true. And we really want people to know that this is how we love them. No matter what color of skin, no matter what their costume that they have on that they're wearing, because we all Americans can put costumes on too. And we want to love them and give life breath to them when they hold that beautiful bag up that they have learned how to sew. And they their little bodies go from a wilted little flower to a beautiful face of, I did that. I made this. And then to watch somebody walk away with her beautiful masterpiece is what we say. I mean, we just know that God begins to empower her in a way that we can't do. Something happens inside of her that she now gets to hear the hope of God. Oh, maybe there is a God that really does love me. Maybe he does really see me. Maybe he does care about me. Maybe he does want me to believe that I can do anything I put my mind to, or I can learn about the things of God because I've made this bag. You know, it's all about a layer upon a layer. Some of us are harder. Some of us, it takes us a little bit harder and, you know, it's, it's hard to love women that aren't lovable because they've come through some really hard times. So some of them come in, they're just hard as ever. I mean, they've got a wall super thick and we have to ask the Holy spirit to lead us, to guide us, to love them in ways that we don't know how. And he uses that purse every time to begin to melt these women down into something I could never do. And they are, they're just beautiful pieces of art and there's no better gift that you could give to somebody, in my opinion, than to make, give them something that was made by a woman who has had no education, never been to school, never had had any kind of hope to believe in something that she could one, have a business in her home, making a product that somebody else wants. I love and, that. And they get paid for really, really well. So we make, they, we do everything based off of 12 to $14 an hour, how long it takes her to put it together. That's fair trade for living in America. She doesn't, she might be from a third world, but she's now living in a first world with all of our big expensive stuff here. And so we want to change her world. We want to, her, we want to love her so big that she will feel like she's the Rolls Royce on red 
Red carpet? No, on the purple carpet that God <laughs> rolled out for her. I love and, that. As a matter of fact, yeah. All right, ladies. So you talk about the masterpiece. Now mine's a little worn out here, but let's wow. see if you can see it. Oopsie. With this background, it's hard to see it. Let's see. <gasps> wow. Let's see. Is that crocodile? Or is that snake? What is it? It is. I think if I put it right in front of me, because. Oh, yeah. Oh, there yeah. it is. There Check it is. Check that out. So, and look at these handles. They're beautiful. Oh, they are all leather with little dabby things on them. Check this out. Look at the quality of that. I mean, it's incredible. So mm. I just had to brag on you because you are not only creating these incredible masterpiece purses, but you're allowing the women to see how they are masterpieces and that they have abilities and gifts and talents to create things like this. And that is, there's so much value to mm. them to be able to do it, but also how rewarding is it when you watch the transformation of the lives. And that's really what this is all about. This week, our topic was supposed to be all on growth. But the reality is what I wanted women to see is this, Denise. We all can keep growing and doing the things necessary to grow emotionally, spiritually, financially, business-wise. But the true gift of growth is when we are giving it away. The real gift of our personal growth is when we surrender to God, just like you described and say, here I am, God. I don't know how I'm going to do what you're asking me to do, but if you ask me to do it, I'm going to do it. And you mm. just step forward in faith. You just step forward, sometimes not having the finances, sometimes not knowing how you're going to do it. There, the times that he's asked me to do the biggest sacrifices in my life, sell everything, go on and be a missionary, all those kind of things. Like, were the most rewarding, the most difficult. I can tell you that season oh, of my man. life, oh, not only was it oh, physically challenging having to go climb all those mountains and I wasn't a climber. We'll talk about that another time. But yeah. even, even the work itself, the actual job, you know, I'm an entrepreneur working for an organization and all the things that go with that were mm -hmm. some of the most difficult stretching moments. And I've had some tough times in my life. Um, but those were really difficult times. And I think mm -hmm. as we navigate, all of us navigate and look back at our past and those difficult times, those difficult seasons, mm -hmm. those are actually many of the times in the seasons where God refines us the most, where he yeah. uses us the most because we're depleted and we're like, okay, God, I just need you. And that's really where the real growth comes in is because mm -hmm. we give it to him and it's not in our power, but in his. Amen. And that's really at the end of the day where we all oh. need to be, right? It's it, uh, Amen. I couldn't have said it better. That was perfect. Well done. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the one word that we hesitate to say. You know what it is? Yes. 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 You know, John Maxwell recently, because one of the things, you know, I've actually coached many times on just say no. Now I'm saying, go say no to the things that aren't God's direction. Go say no to all the other stuff that distract you from doing what God's telling you to do. Right. But he did a whole podcast on 
just say yes. What would happen if you said yes to those things? And oftentimes when God calls you, the things he calls you to are the things that scare you. It's the things yes. that don't make any sense. And you're like, yes. really, God, you want me to do yes. that? Yes. You know, and yes. I, I love how when you watch him and you do say, okay, yes, I'll do it. It doesn't make a bit of sense to me. And I'm kind of walking through that season right now. And I'm watching the fruit that he has produced because I just said yes. And I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, Lord this is incredible. And so humbling to watch it because it's you. It's not me. Yeah. I couldn't do yeah. any of this stuff that I'm doing, Yeah. but with him, I can do anything with him. <laughs> I can do all things. And that's really where the growth comes in is when we finally understand that anything he calls us to do, we can do, but it's because of him. It's not because of us. Because then, he equipped us. Exactly. Period. Yep. Exactly. Any gift, oh. any, any talent, any anything we have it's all amen. because he's given it to us amen and it also takes the pressure off right because you're like it's okay i'll true. step forward and if i mess it up well you told me to and i'm gonna do the best i can it's all yours god and there's a lot of freedom in that <laughs> yeah there is and there's a lot of freedom in failure because the lord knows there no lord knows he knows that we're gonna fail and that was that's when we have to like okay god didn't do that one right. Can you believe in me some more? I know you're with me. Um, even though I tripped up and fell flat on my face, will you help me again? Be with me and pick me up. I'm ready to move forward. And I want to, once you at my table, I want, I want people to realize that failure is with a yes. Failure Absolutely. is, with a, it is with a yes. It is with a yes to something. And what we have to be careful to say yes um in a rhythm that glorifies him mm -hmm. absolutely because it's very easy to get too busy doing mm -hmm. god's work mm -hmm. when really what he wants first and foremost is this he wants us to yeah. abide yes start that there have that rhythm have that time where you're abiding with him every day so you can bear much fruit. Amen. So, well, Thank Denise, you. I'm so thankful for you as my friend. I'm also thankful yeah. just to be able to watch what God has been doing in your life. Because I remember us connecting many years ago and you really didn't know how you're going to do a lot of this, but you just knew God told me to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm going to go one day at a time. Tomorrow <laughs> night might not look like today, but tomorrow's going to go. And so- well, you're, just you're a up. great motivation and inspiration to all of us of just saying yes and let God work out the details. Mm. And um, you've done so well at that. And not all times are easy. Not all times were smooth yeah. and there were failures and there were successes, but you kept on going. And that's the key, right? We just keep on going one step after the other, one step after the other and trust that God's got, got us, you know, covered and he does. Yeah, he so. does. Yeah. Make sure you have a bunch of prayer warriors with you. Amen. Amen. Amen, girl. Thank you for so, inviting me. It's been a joy. Thank you for being here. It's been such a joy. So Masterpiece Women, I'm going to encourage you. Peace of Thread. And it's P-E-A-C-E. -E. Peace. Right. Because the peace of the Lord is all right. throughout this ministry. And we'll give you all the links below. But get involved. Um, there's lots of ways that you can help the women that are 
refugees and, you know, whether it's donating or getting involved in cutting patterns or different things like that. There's so many really sweet ways. And if you have a church, you have a women's group that wants to have a project, this is a perfect opportunity to get outside of yourself and serve other women together and have, Mm. you know, times where we had whole groups that were cutting patterns out together and having so much fun doing it. So definitely lots of ways we can do, um, be of service. So keep that in mind. Links will be below. And if you have not registered for Masterpiece Women membership yet, make sure you do because we are starting two brand new programs this week and you do not want to miss them. Actually, one brand new program and one we're doing the Think and Grow Rich with the biblical application, which is one of the most phenomenal programs I've ever experienced myself. And I, it's life-changing. So don't forget to join us. So ladies, join our membership. And thanks again, Denise, for being with us. My joy and my pleasure.